அலமதுல்லா ஒன்னுமெண்டல் we have discussed the aspect of intention in detail previously so let us make amal on that that our intention now refreshed that we have gathered so that we may learn something that we may bring into our lives that we have gathered for the sake of benefiting from one another's strength of iman being in good company these are the things that we are required to do and whatever inshallah we will speak and listen we make the intention to bring it into practice allah taala give us a tawfiq there is one lengthy hadith in the books of hadith and there are many many lessons that come from this narration and the object is to take these lessons So therefore some of these things might be aspects that we have discussed before but whenever something is being discussed which has been mentioned previously the issue to reflect upon is that how much have i progressed in this aspect and sometimes allah taala makes this repetition happen so that the lo- forgotten lessons come back to mind are revived within us and inshallah we start moving forward in those things on one occasion it is mentioned in the riwayat of tirmidhi nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam came out from his house at that time of the day when nobody comes out normally what was being referred to is the midday when it was extremely hot due to the extreme heat and the heat of hijaz where the temperature rises into the 40s and mid 40s so in that extreme heat in the middle of the day nobody used to venture outdoors people used to remain indoors at that time nabi sallallahu came out after a short while he sees sayyidina abu bakr radhiyallahu ta'ala so this was strange nobody comes out at this time of the day so he asks him what brought you out because it's a strange thing you have come out at this time so he replied and said i've come out to see your mubarak face to make salam to you to be with you short time passes barely a little time passes and they see hazrat umar radhiyallahu ta'ala so umar radhiyallahu ta'ala is also coming out at this odd hour time when nobody normally ventures outdoors 
So Nabi Salaam asks him the same question. What brought you out? So he gives one simple answer and he says, al hunger has brought me out. That the hunger has been so intense that I came out, maybe I will meet with you and inshallah that will pacify my hunger. And Sayyidina Abu Bakr the answer that he gave, that was what he came out for. But he had also actually come out for that purpose in order to extinguish the fire of hunger within himself also. In other words, just merely looking at the Mubarak face of Nabi Wasallam was such a blessing for them that they forgot about their hunger, forgot about their thirst, and everything else became totally insignificant. They became oblivious of it, like it never existed when they were in the company of Rasulullah So when he also felt this extreme pangs of hunger, then he said, let me be in the company of Nabi I will go and make salam to him. I will look at his Mubarak face. I will be in his company. And this will make me forget my hunger also. So one is their love for Nabi that we can understand from this. What level of love? What level of how intense that it made them oblivious of realities of hunger and thirst <coughs> but then the other aspect Allah Taala mentions this in the Quran Sharif that the Sahaba Kiram were drawn to Nabi Islam in this manner what was the reason behind it Allah Taala says فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ that it is the mercy of Allah Ta'ala that you are very soft-natured with them. You have a very soft approach. You are very kind-hearted, very compassionate. Had you been harsh and hard-hearted, then they would have all disappeared. And Nabi Wasallam was like a magnet for the Sahaba. Allah Ta'ala is mentioning that the reason for them being attracted to you in this way is your compassion, your soft nature, not having a harsh approach, not being hard-hearted. Allah's Nabi Wasallam, with all the qualities that he had, Allah Ta'ala is highlighting that this is the reason why they are attracted to you. Now what is the lesson for us? This is the same thing that we have to reflect within ourselves. That to what extent is this in my life? With my family, with my parents, let alone others who are out of the family and extended family, people who may be strangers to us, but who are closest to us. Where do we stand in relation to this way of life of Rasulullah This compassion, this mercy. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi is being described, his akhlaq. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu is asked about the akhlaq of Nabi Hazrat Hussein radiallahu asks him all the various details and he gives the various details, many, many details. And among the things he mentions, Sahl al-Khuluq, Layyin al-Janib, very, very soft-natured and very easygoing. 
المؤمن المؤمن غر كريم he is very very easy going anybody can approach him he is completely approachable small trivial things don't trigger him off that is not the way of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam it doesn't trigger him, trigger him off also Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam daim al-bishr always smiling and very very soft natured approachable and look at the various incidents in the life of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam how he overcame those various challenges situations you know with a smiling face forget smiling with people outside how often we don't even have that nature with our own parents whereas with regard to parents in particular Allah Ta'ala says وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍ Don't even say uff to them. Don't even say uff. In other words, don't even express the least bit of irritation. Not that a person won't become irritated. Sometimes it can happen. The parent has grown old. Now he's asking something for the 50th time. Insan is insan. So he can become irritated. But though he can become irritated, he has been told, don't express that irritation. If you got irritated, you'll have to swallow it. You are not permitted to express that irritation to the extent of one uff. وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍ وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا Don't rebuke them. To the extent that even if they are demanding from you to commit shirk. Can we imagine the Quran Sharif is speaking about this? وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُشْرِكَ بِمَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٌ فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا If the parents are mushrik and they are demanding from you to commit shirk, don't obey them in that. You can't obey them in that, obviously. But in the same breath, the Quran says, وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا That deal with them with kindness in the world. Don't even say oof to them also. Don't obey them in their haram and in their shirk. But don't even say oof to them also. If Bushrik parents have this right, that you shouldn't say uff to a Bushrik parent, what about a parent with Iman? And what humility the Quran de- commands us to observe with parents. That totally humble yourself. The example that is being given in this ayat, Janahazul, the wings of humility. What is actually being expressed as an example, as a simile, is a person when he has already subdued the prey, some bird, and now it is totally overpowered. And it just lies there helpless, waiting to be slaughtered. So that is the example that is being given here. That is a picture that is being painted. The total humility. Totally humble yourself in front of them. And on top of that, keep making dua for them. Ya Allah, have mercy on me. Uh, have mercy on them. Just as they showed kindness to me when I was a little baby, I could do nothing for myself. The rights of parents can never be overemphasized. And the least is that we show good akhlaq to them. That's the least in how we talk to them, how we deal with them, with humility, with akhlaq. So in any case, this 
aspect we are discussing this hadith sharif that nabi sallallahu alaihi asked hazrat abu bakr hazrat umar radhiyallahu why you came out they expressed this when they expressed that this was the reason that we actually came out the underlying reason was the hunger and so intense that we were forced to come out at this hour and nobody else will leave the house allah's nabi sallallahu alaihi replies and says that i've experienced the same also that same hunger that brought you out brought me out also this was nabi his this part of his life was something that he had chosen voluntarily he was offered that if you wish we'll make the mountain into gold to you for you but nabi said i desire that i eat i be given food one day to eat i will make shukar and the next day I am hungry, I will make sabr. And why did he desire to go this way? He voluntarily chose this. So that he could set that kind of situation for the ummah, that no person in any kind of difficulty would feel despondent and feel that I got nobody to identify with. Not that if a person has some ni'mad, then there's something wrong with it, he must not keep it. But somebody who is not in a position that he has something, somebody is starving, he, ha- he will have his Nabi Sallallahu to still identify with. That my Nabi Sallallahu also starved. That he lived in this dire poverty. That he lived in this kind of situation where sometimes some guest came. And Nabi Sallallahu now in order to feed the guest, at that time there were nine wives in the nikah of Nabi Sallallahu And Nabi Sallallahu sent somebody to the first wife's house find out is there anything available to eat and the reply came Laysa indana illa ma. the only thing we have in the house is water send the person to the second house the same answer the only thing available is water third house fourth house nine houses every house the same reply only thing available is water the last Nabi is living this life so no matter who he may be and what condition he may be in, he will be able to identify with Allah's Nabi Wasallam. Otherwise, wealth is not everybody's capacity. But poverty might become somebody's lot. And he will still also be able to take courage and take inspiration from the condition of Nabi Wasallam. In any case, Nabi Wasallam then took these two sahaba along and they came to the house of Abu Haytham radiallahu ta'ala who was an Ansari Sahabi. So he was not there. So they inquired, where is he? He said, he has gone to bring water for us. Water was not something that was on the tap. Turn the tap, and water is just flowing. And because water just flows out of the tap for us, we don't appreciate this gift of Allah. Nobody has ever paid one cent for water, and can ever pay the price of water. Somebody will say the water bill is going up all the time. What are we paying for? We're not paying for the water. Whatever we've been charged for, but we're not paying for the water. Because the water doesn't belong to anybody. At the most, they're charging us to pipe it to the home. That water comes as a gift from Allah Ta'ala, free of charge. Allah Ta'ala asked this question that, لَوْ نَشَاءُ جَعَلْنَاهُ أُجَاجًا فَلَوْ لَا تَشْكُرُونَ 
Do you not look at the water that you drink? Allah is asking the question to us in Surah Al-Waqiyah. That have you considered, you take the water and you drink it, have you considered? أَنْتُمْ أَنزَلْتُمُوهُ مِنَ الْمُزْنِ Do you bring it down from the clouds? All the technology and whatever advancement the world has made in all these fields, but they can't make rain. They know how the water is. They'll tell you H2O and two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen and but give them drums of hydrogen and drums of oxygen, they can't make one drop of water. Allah Ta'ala descends us from the skies. أَنْتُمْ أَنزَلْتُمُهُ مِنَ الْمُزْنِ Or do we bring it down from the clouds? لَوْ نَشَاءُ جَعَلْنَاهُ أُجَاجًا فَلَوْ لَا تَشْكُرُونَ If we wish, we'll make it bitter. If Allah Ta'ala wills, He'll make it bitter. And therefore when drinking water, this is the dua that Nabi Islam taught after drinking water. Alhamdulillahilladhi saqana adban furatan birahmati. All these masnoon duas, these duas are filled with meaning. And we should try and learn these duas. One one dua, even if you take one month to learn one dua. There are some simple, some very concise dua kitabs, authentically published dua kitabs. We take one kitab and one dua a month also we learn. But in 12 months, we'll learn 12 du'as. And in 24 months, we'll know 24 du'as. And this will become a part of our life. And on the relevant occasion, we read, read these du'as. So this du'a to be recited after drinking water. Alhamdulillahilladhi saqana adban furatan birahmatih. All praise is due to Allah Taala, who gave us this water to drink, which is sweet, which is so replenishing, ref- refreshing. And all this Allah Ta'ala has given us only out of his rahmat. And Allah Ta'ala did not make it bitter and salty due to our sins. Otherwise the effect of our sins are such that it will make the sweetest water also bitter. So in any case, when they came, so they are told the sahabi is gone to bring some water. So he comes after a while. He was a wealthy person. He had a lot of gardens. But at the same time, the other lesson we get out of this is that while they were some Sahaba, they were a handful of them, and they were very wealthy. The rest of them were very, very poor. But there were some Sahaba, Hazrat Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu ta'ala an, Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an, Abu Haytham radiallahu an, and a few others, handful of them, they were wealthy. And it is inconceivable that if they had the slightest indication of what is the condition in the house of Nabi Wasallam, that they would not have come and presented everything at their disposal. What we understand from this is that whether it was Nabi Wasallam, whether it was Siddiq Akbar whether it was Hazrat Umar they had concealed the situation of their homes to such an extent that nobody knew what was going on. It is not possible to imagine that they had the slightest inclination or slightest idea of what's happening and they would have sat comfortably without bringing and presenting everything at their disposal. In any case, after a short time, the Sahabi comes and he comes along with that water and he sees Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Abu Bakr, Umar Anhuma. He is overjoyed. He comes and starts embracing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he says, Fidaka Abi wa Ummi, may my parents be sacrificed for you. You have 
graced my home with your presence. Nabi then after meeting with him, he takes them to a little spot in his garden and he goes and breaks one branch of one date palm and he presents a whole branch with all the various dates on it. So Nabi and Hazrat Abu Bakr Hazrat Umar, they eat some of those dates, that water that he brought along, they drink some of that water. They have yet not had anything else. It is just these two things still they have eaten. And when, after having experienced that intense hunger, that it brought them out of their homes at a time that nobody comes out. In that odd time of the day, in that intense heat, the pangs of hunger were so severe that it brought them out by force. And now they had this few dates to eat, this little water to drink. And Nabi Sallallahu then addresses them and says, These are the bounties of Allah Taala, which you are going to be questioned about on the day of Qiyamah. And then Nabi Sallallahu says, there's three things here. There's three things, we only ate two things. It says, Zillun baridun, rutabun tayyibun, that first is the shade. We're sitting under this tree on this hot day. What a ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. You're going to be questioned about this also. Have you appreciated this? Subhanallah. The shade that a person benefits from, have it as a, has it ever crossed our mind? Whether it is the shade of a tree or whether it is that shelter over our head. That this is a great gift from Allah Ta'ala. And this is something that we will have to give an account for. Zillun baridun, rutabun tayyibun, these beautiful dates and this cold water, all these are na'mats of Allah Ta'ala which we will be questioned about on the day of Qiyamah. In any case, the Sahabi then goes and he slaughters one, many details, just getting to the main aspects. He slaughters one goat and brings it along, cooks the meat of it and brings it, presents it to Nabi Wasallam. And Abu Bakr Umar they eat of it. Then Nabi Islam asks him that do you have any servant, any slave? He says, No, I don't have. He says, Okay, when any captives come, you come, inshallah we'll give you somebody. So this was something that was happening in that time from long before. Islam didn't come and introduce slavery. Islam came and laid the foundation for the termination of slavery. Slavery was in vogue long before in the whole world. And either there was one of two things, either that when Islam came, it be said that every now slavery is over, so every slave is free. Overnight, there would have been thousands of people without any means, because now they're free, so nobody's going to take care of them. The master has got no responsibility. Out on the street, now there's everybody out on the street, slaves, males, females, everybody out on the street. So this was something which would have, would have been very irresponsible. So that wasn't done. But firstly, what kind of rights were given to the slaves? Feed them that which you eat. You make them wear that kind of clothing that you wear. Hazrat Ibn Umar once somebody saw him, he's wearing 
two sheets of cloth, one new, one old. So now, somebody saw this and they found it a little bit odd and then they see on the other side his slave. So his slave is wearing also two sheets of cloth, one new, one old. So they told him that maybe in our terms we might say he's not matching. So now you're going to make it matching now. They told him the strange thing, this is your slave, you take the new one from him and give him your old one so you'll have one set of new sheets and he'll have the old one, he's your slave after all. Like Umar Adilana says, that I could afford to buy one set of new sheets, but Nabi Islam said, make them wear what you wear. So I kept one new sheet for myself, I gave him one new. And then for every thing that a person now has to free himself from responsibility, he took an oath, and now he broke that qasam. Now you want to release yourself from the responsibility, from the sin of this, free one slave. A slave was a major thing, like a person being told, give your cow in sadaqah. That was a value, basically. So free one slave, certain kind of talaq that existed, zihar. A person uttered these words. Now he wants to come out of the responsibility, free one slave. So many things, free one slave. And Islam set the foundation for the freedom of slaves and the termination of slavery. So in any case, Nabi Islam asked him, you have anybody to help you? He says, no. He says, very well. When some captives come, you come along. So he came. After some time, when there were some captives came. So Nabi Islam told him, well, there are these two people here. You take one. So he said to Nabi Islam, that you choose for me. So when he said, you choose for me, Nabi Islam replied and said, innal mustashara mu'tamanun. The person who is consulted, some mashwara is taken from him, some advice is sought from him, then he has been placed in a place of trust. He has been entrusted to give the best advice. He is now been placed with the responsibility of an amanat. So in other words, I can only tell you that which is in my heart and mind the best advice can't tell you anything else. But in this process, Nabi Islam is giving the ummah a lesson that sometimes we are asked something. And when we are asked something, that answer that we give, that advice that we give, must not be affected by any other motivation. The only motivation must be what is in the that person's best interest who is asking. What is his best interest? On that basis, no other interest. Sometimes a person is asked, maybe about, he wants to buy some car, so somebody tells him, no, no, that one, that car, I already know about it. How much he told you? And he gave the price away also. He says, that, I already know about that car, that thing will take you to Qabristan. And then the next day, he sees the same person driving that Qabristan car. He went and bought it behind the back. So he put him off. Now when he put him off, of he realized in his heart that this is a good buy. That was now khianat. He gave the wrong advice. He allowed some ulterior motive to affect that advice that became khianat. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying, Al-Mustasharu Person from whom mashwara is sought, advice is asked, then he has been placed with the responsibility of an amanat. He must discharge that amanat. He must give the best advice.
whatever he thinks is best, he could err. Not necessary that advice he gave would be 100% correct. But he believed it to be the best advice. That is what he will give. So in any case, Nabi Sallallahu then told him, okay, you take this slave here. Out of the two, you take this person. Why am I saying take him? I saw him performing salah. In other words, he is somebody who is conscious about Allah wa Ta'ala. So if he's conscious about Allah Ta'ala, he'll be conscious about people as well. Because a person who's not conscious of Allah Ta'ala won't be conscious about the rights of people also. He forgot Allah Ta'ala, then where he's going to be worrying about fulfilling the rights of people? He forgot his Rabb, then he'll forget everyone around him too. And it doesn't matter to him whose rights he's trampling, who he's hurting, who he's speaking harshly to, whether it's his parents, his mother, or his father, or anybody. It doesn't matter to him whose property he's usurped, makes no difference. All these things then become insignificant. So the lesson we get in this again is that the basis for preference must be deen. The basis for preference in anything. Nabi Islam told him, choose this, give preference to this person. On the basis of, there's deen in him. So this must be the basis for preference. And in every other, so many things, this is something highlighted. When a person is choosing a marriage partner, Nabi Islam says, Tunka Sometimes the basis is on beauty, on wealth, on lineage. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, فَزْفَرْ بِذَاتِ الدِّينَ But make sure that the decision-making factor is deen. Everything else is not to be ignored, but that must not become the deciding factor. The deciding factor must be deen. The rest of it is, alhamdulillah. If it's there also, very good. If it's not there, to the extent that it is manageable, well and good, no problem. So the preference in everything in life must be guided by deen. In any case, the sahabi now comes with this slave. He comes home. Now, keeping in mind the background, what happened right at the beginning, that he had to go himself and fetch water from a far place. And in the hadith it comes also, when he came along, he came along with a leather bag of water on his shoulder. Yes, ubuha. And he was carrying it with difficulty. So now he had to do all this hard work himself. And now he comes home and he comes with the slave. But as he was leaving, Nabi Wasallam gave him one piece of advice. That I advise you to be kind to him. Bas one word, one line. That deal with him with kindness, that's all. Now he comes and he says to his wife, that Nabi Islam gave me this slave. And Nabi Islam also gave me this one advice. What advice he gave you? He said to me, deal with him kindly. That same lesson right at the beginning. This was Nabi Islam's kindness. Not only with insan, even with animals. On one occasion, Nabi Islam comes to some place, there's a camel. And that camel runs to him. And it starts tearing. And it makes some sound. Nabi Sallallahu inquires who is the owner of this camel. Calls for him. And then he says to him that 
give me this camel as a gift. Because the camel had, Allah Ta'ala made it understandable to Nabi Wasallam. the camel had complained about the severe treatment of the master and the hard work that he takes from it. So this person immediately accepted. Nabi Wasallam is asking as a gift. He said, it's yours. Nabi Wasallam said to the camel, you are now free to roam where you wish. You are now freed from all your burdens. So the camel faragha raghwatan it made a loud sound. And Nabi Islam said, Amin. And then, Faragha Raghwatan. Second time it made that sound. Again, Nabi Islam said, Amin. And the third time, Faragha Raghwatan. Again, Nabi Islam said, Amin. And then, for the fourth time, Nabi Islam started tearing. The Sahaba were amazed. What is this all about? Nabi Islam said, When I said to this camel, You are freed now. You can roam where you wish now. Nobody will take any burden from you or put you under any burden. But this camel gave me dua. Now this is the effect of kindness. This is the effect of compassion. And in the hadith, Nabi Islam says that whenever there is a soft approach in anything, then it beautifies everything around it. And when there is harshness, there is hardness, then it spoils everything around. So in any case, Nabi Salaam says, this camel first dua gave me, that may Allah Ta'ala remove your difficulties and remove your fears as you removed mine. So I said, Amin to it. He says, may Allah Ta'ala never allow your ummah to be annihilated completely by a plague. Imagine the kindness of Nabi Salaam to that camel, the camel's dua for the whole ummah. Nabi Salaam says, Amin. May Allah Ta'ala never allow your entire ummah to be annihilated by a tyrant. Some pockets have, will happen here and there. But the whole ummah getting annihilated, Nabi Salaam said, Amin, that won't happen. But then when the camel made the fourth dua, Nabi Salaam began tearing. But the camel said, May Allah Ta'ala prevent or save the ummah from breaking up into factions. Nabi Sallallahu started tearing. The Jibi Sallallahu came and informed him at that time that this dua will not be answered. So in any case, the point that we were discussing is the kindness of Nabi Sallallahu let alone to insan, even to animals, and even any kind of cruelty to an animal also a person will be accountable on the day of Qiyamah. So now this person, he comes home to his wife, that this is a slave now. All our work, difficult work, all that will now be the history from, for us. The slave will take care of all that. But now his wife says to him that Nabi Islam gave you some advice. Nabi Islam said to you that treat him kindly. How are you going to fulfill the right of this advice? Because you have to now be kind to him. But you have to be kind to him because this has been more over and above the general kindness, Nabi some specific wasiyat to you. Now you have to fulfill the right of that kindness. How are you going to do this? Now his wife is saying to him, and obviously this was something that would have made her life easier also. She says to him that the only thing I can think about is that will enable you to fulfill the right of this advice of Nabi Islam is that you set this slave free. Now imagine 
the background and what she is saying. Normally she would be the one to say, very good, why did you commit both? She is saying, the only way I see you fulfilling the right of the statement is that you set him free. On the spot he says, I have already set him free for, the, for Allah's sake. And they immediately set that slave free. The next day he comes back to Nabi Sallallahu And he says, this is what happened. This is what transpired. You gave me the slave. I went home. And this was the end result. Nabi Sallallahu said that there is nobody except that he has two very, very close companions with him all the time. Bitanatun. They're all the time with him. One is that companion which ya'muruhu bil ma'roof wa yanhahu anil munkar which keeps inviting him of keeps encouraging him towards what is right and keeps preventing him from what is wrong. This is that angel that keeps inspiring a person's heart to do good. Don't do that. Do this. That is wrong. Don't do that. This is the thing to do. That inspiration that keeps coming from the side of an angel that has been appointed to this person. Now this angel that inspires a person, the Sufiya Kiram called this warid, this inspiration. But this is an unseen assistance from Allah Ta'ala's side. And when a person appreciates this, when a person responds positively, now he, uh, for example, entered the masjid, but he entered the masjid by mistake with the left foot. As soon as he entered with the left foot, this thought crossed his mind. It's not just something that came by chance. It is that inspiration from that angel. That you entered the masjid with the left foot, you should have been entering with the right foot. So now he responds positively to that. He goes back out and steps incorrectly. This inspiration will now repeat itself. It will come one after the other. It will come. Because he is responding positively. He is appreciating this. He is appreciating this ni'mat from Allah Ta'ala. But if he ignores it, the second time this voice might come again, but come very, very softly. Weak, weak voice. And if he ignores it again, then he won't hear it at all. This voice in the heart will stop. This is a gift that Allah Ta'ala blesses a person with. But he ignored the gift of Allah Ta'ala. And then there's the other companion, وَبِطَانَةُ سُوِن That evil companion, which is the shaitan, لَا تَأْلُوهُ khabala, Which doesn't leave any deficiency in trying to destroy the person. Keeps whispering all kinds of haram in him. And now the person gives in to those whispers, then those whispers become even louder. And sometimes then he says, I don't want to do this, but I'm just being dragged along. Because he's been giving vent to those feelings. He's been accepting those whispers. So Nabi Islam then said, That the person who gets saved from this evil companion, the evil companion, whether it is in the form of that shaitan, whether it is in human form. Actually what Nabi Islam was saying was, he was praising this person for the kind of companion that he was blessed with in life, that wife of his that she guided him towards that which was really, truly great. She was ready to undertake the difficulty on herself. But we must fulfill the right of what Nabi Islam said. So Nabi Islam was actually praising his wife and 
giving him the glad tidings that you got saved from an evil companion. One is in the form of the jinnat and the shayateen, but even in human form. Nabi Sallallahu says, The person who has been saved from an evil companion, indeed he has been saved. Then this person is truly on a right path. He'll be saved. So there's so many things. The last aspect that we learn from this is the company. The kind of company that a person will keep, this will make him or break him. There is no way a person can escape the effects of company. So, these lessons that we have learned, the lesson of the compassion and kindness, being soft-natured, and this requires that we learn how to control our emotions, learn how to control our anger. Anger is a very, very dangerous thing. When anger comes, a person will forget who is in front of him, whether it is some stranger or his own mother whether it is some distant relative or it is his father. Whoever it is, it will make no difference to him now. Anger. Anger comes, a person sometimes will forget whether it is, whether he is what he is uttering, whether it will take him out of Iman also. How many times people make statements in anger, but those statements tantamount to kufr. Those statements take a person out of Iman. They break the person's nikah. All in that anger. Anger is a very, very dangerous thing. Terrible thing. And therefore, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, once Sahabi came to him, and he asked him for advice, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi gave him a very simple, small, concise advice. He him, La taghdab. Don't get angry. He asked for more advice. So when he asked for more advice, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to him, La taghdab. Don't get angry. He asked for even more advice. On the third occasion now, Nabi Islam says to him, La taghdab. Don't get angry. Because his anger is a killer. It will kill a person's deen and it will kill his iman, Allah forbid, and even his dunya will go upside down also. So, these are all lessons that we learn from this hadith sharif. Allah wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq that we implement these lessons in our lives and get closer to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin Allah <laughs> 
ہر تمنا دل سے رخصت ہو گئی اب تو آ جا اب تو خلوت ہو گئی ہر تمنا دل سے رخصت ہو گئی اب تو آ جا اب تو خلوت ہو گئی مٹا دے اپنی ہستی کو چھوڑ دے ساری بستی کو بستی بستی کہتا جا اللہ 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 لا الہ الا 
ஒன்னும்